I'm Aaron, that's Will. We are bringing you the passion, tradition and drama of college football to listeners down under. Because we fucking love college football. They hand it off to Johnson Boise State! Hello again and welcome to another episode of College Football Down Under. My name is Aaron Kemp. As always, I'm joined by William, the birthday boy, Murden. How's it going today, Will? Good, thanks, my man. How you doing? Good. Well, I don't turn 31 today, so... Ooh, I dropped your name on air. Unlucky. My age. Sorry, yeah, age. Name yeah. and age. <laughs> name and Named age. and shamed. Yeah. Um... Yeah, how you going? How are you feeling being uh, another 12 months older? Or just a day older than yesterday, which is I, when I saw no, you No, I feel proper old. As yeah. I was saying, I was playing some tennis on the weekend and feel every day of it today. Haven't okay. uh, haven't been overly active since footy season finished up, so I went for a hit and struggling today. Shoulders a bit sore. Okay. Elbows a bit sore. Okay. Tennis Ten- elbow. Yeah, tennis shoulder. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. As per usual, we'll take you through the games, the big games of the week, uh, the Australians in action, any bold predictions that went kind of close, maybe. And we'll also have a look at bringing out your dad. We're going to move this across to our review show uh, as the college football playoff ranking hasn't actually come out, doesn't come out till a bit later in the week. Uh, but we can have a look at rubbing those teams out that don't deserve to be there after their losses on the weekend. Okay, firstly, some news before we kick off anything. The Maryland thing has finally been resolved, sort of, kind of, maybe it was and then it wasn't and then there was a fight. Uh, What are your thoughts on this whole scenario? What happened to I I think it's an absolute joke, the way they've handled this. I mean, right from the get-go, I'm all for doing your due diligence and going through whatever steps you need to be to come out with uh, a result. But once you've made that decision you got to stick with it. You can't just then decide, oh, uh, we're getting a bit of backlash here on social media. Uh, people don't really appreciate this. Let's, 24 hours later, sack the bloke. That's shit house. Tennessee did it with Greg Schiano. <laughs> You're spot on, and I didn't like that then, and I don't like this now. You've you, Like, if you are that fickle, you need to be factoring that in when making the decision you need to be fully aware of what the public perception is going to be and it may not even be the wider public sentiment it only has to be a couple of big mouth reporters who are able to drum up that sort of hype around a certain thing you got to kind of expect that's coming and ride that out if that's the decision you're going with so just to give a little bit of background dj durkin at maryland the head coach was reinstated and within 24 hours the social pressure from not only people on campus but also within the media meant that they reversed that decision and actually removed him uh and as a result you know there was still tension on the footy field wade lees who's a punter there ended up getting in fight in a fight with his fellow punting running mate uh and now he's got into trouble he's made a statement on twitter and all this kind of stuff so it's all got a little bit out of control but maryland at this stage their head coach is back to being Matt Canada in the interim until the end of the year where they will sign someone. 
All right, takeaways for this week. Will, what have you got? I've got a few this week, so we'll see. What did you bring well, away if, from If you've got a few, let's start with you. Okay. Firstly, it's time to start licking your wounds for some of these teams. It gets to that point in the season where, yeah, you've dropped one. You're like, yeah, it's, you know, maybe I'm out of the football playoff. You drop another one and you're like, oh, yeah, we're not looking so good. You drop a third one and then you're out of your conference race as well. So you start to lick your wounds and, yeah, you want to finish strong, but you're starting to turn to next year already, which is disappointing as a fan base. Um, But teams like Kentucky, Utah, Texas, Penn State, Iowa, Texas A&M, and the list goes on and on. Florida's dropped out. Uh, They're now looking to bowl season. They still want to finish strong, get into a good bowl game, but the shine has come off for a few of those teams and there's not a lot of success to be had in terms of their conference race and it's pretty much now can i ruin someone else's season and their hopes or can i get to a reasonable bowl game okay on on from that i'm saying you can put a fork in it you can put a fork in it this season is done Alabama are that much better than anyone else that this is over. Give them the trophy now. The rest is playing for pageantry at this stage in my eyes. They're the real deal. And I said going into this one that I needed to see it, and we'll touch on it in our review of this game, but they are a phenomenal football team. There's one other team who maybe on their day can take it to them, but they need to be playing their best for to have a shot. And apart from that, this is Alabama's year. This is Tua's Heisman. They're running away with it. And I don't see anything that's going to stop it from happening. I don't think I disagree. You've still got to play the games. And we've seen it happen before. It can happen, but it has to happen in that last... It has to happen in one of the last two games, obviously. Because a loss at the back end of the SEC is not going to... All you're going to do is poke the bear then, which is not what you want. It has to be in a meaningful game and you've got to get lucky. But yes, I don't disagree. I think they can be beaten because we've seen it in the past. We didn't think that Patriots team was going to get beaten by the Giants in the Super Bowl. And that happened. Yeah, but there's a lot more uh, parity at that level, I think. The the skill level is a lot tighter. Alabama are like nothing I've ever seen at the college level before. Yeah, I can't argue too much. And we'll go into a little bit more detail in a sec. Number two for me, apparently you can't mock Texas. Because if your horn's down, that's a penalty now. Now, any other team in the country, you can... You can't throat slash anymore, but you used to be able to. You can do just about, you know, short of probably threatening them or giving them the bird or something. You can just about do any taunting hand gesture you want. Don't be going doing horns down in Austin, Texas, because they'll just flag you. Bit soft. Joke. Bit soft, that. Joke. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I don't like that. I don't know where that's come from. I don't know what they're trying to... It's the only time I've seen it. Like, I'm, you know, it, it is what it is. I don't know how they got to that. Uh, but, yeah, anyway, there you go, Longhorns fans. Okay, well, whilst we're talking Longhorns, oh. <laughs> I'm going to throw this out there, that the Big 12 is the most enjoyable conference to watch, at least this year. I think the matchups that we've had, the teams that they've got out there, they have provided the best viewing on the football field. I think that was highlighted by the weekend's uh, Texas-West Virginia game. It was an absolute barn burner. Uh, The Oklahoma-Texas Tech game was a ripper, and there's been a number this year that are just 
awesome football matches. And yeah, there's not so much defense played. And if that's what you're into, sorry, but it's bloody good to watch. And I'm all about the Big 12. Yeah, I we're just getting on just fine here, which is a strange kind of course of events, really. And I don't disagree. And that's going to bring me to sort of my next point in a strange sort of way. But we're yet to have that season-defining moment, that that time where you are going to end up seeing something or being a part of something that is just absolutely crazy. And they happen every year, but we haven't seen one yet. And I think if we are going to see one, it's probably going to be in the Big 12. And it's going to be that moment that is... The one that's remembered forever. It could be the kick six that we watched with Chris Davis and Auburn against Alabama. It could be the Texas punt, the Boise State two-trick plays to win the Fiesta Bowl. It could be a whole rain, um, Vince Young turning the corner in the national championship. Whatever that big play is, we haven't had it yet, but I don't disagree. It's probably coming from the Big 12. Yeah, I would like to think that. The only thing is that they've probably beaten themselves out of relevance now. The only team that really has a realistic shot well, I suppose there's Oklahoma, West Virginia. West Virginia need things to go their way. It's only really Oklahoma, and, and they need to be the ones who can, you know, some sort of crazy semifinal win over Bama or something like that, maybe. But outside of that, there's just been too many times where there's already we've already seen upsets, not to the level of the Pac-12, where they've just completely <laughs> leveled the playing field. God knows who's sticking their head up there, because that'll get chopped off. <laughs> But, yeah, it's, I would love to see it from the Big 12, maybe not from Oklahoma, but I think they're the only team to do that. Yep. All right, and the last one for me is that assistant coaches are starting to get fired, which means that a head coach is not far behind. Now, USC fired their line coach, and Clay Helton's taken over play-calling duties, which is a, a, a shout-out to or a shout of desperation for sure when a head coach starts taking over the play calling duties it means that they are feeling the pinch uh illinois fired their defensive coordinator so there's position coaches and coordinator positions that are starting to drop which means our first head coach is not too far away no certainly you're certainly right in that uh it is your last ditch attempt the pressure's put on you and you know if you're calling the plays or you're not calling the plays then you swap that and you have someone else do it or you start taking that on and more often than not it usually leads to an exit after that so it'll be interesting to see if any of these ones who are struggling are able to turn things around and that's what this back few games is all about if any team can show a bit of promise show a bit of bite really look forward to next year and essentially save some jobs all right now time to bring out our dead bring out your dead Okay, let's have a look this week at who is heading to the graveyard. So last week we had quite a few drop-off. Florida, Texas, Iowa and USF, all done. This week I've only got a couple. Uh, I'm going to have to kind of concede a bit here. So earlier, last two weeks, you've been saying UCF have no chance. Looking at it, and from the early AP poll that's come out... LSU lost. They've got two good losses, but they're still above UCF. So with two losses, uh, even them being decent losses, if they're still above UCF, they got no chance of getting in, which is sad. 
I think they're deserved of a shot. I don't think they're one of the four best teams, but I think they deserve a shot. So I'm going to say that, yes, UCF are dead this week. Yeah, you finally agree. I'm on board. Uh, and then the other two are the other two losers in the top 10, or I'm not sure where Kentucky were. Nine? Nine? 11. Okay. No, nine. Sorry, check that. Yep. So Kentucky lost. They're now done. LSU, oh, I can't see any way that they would make it in from here. No. So I don't think so. No. So they're gone. So, leaves us with a pretty short list now. Down to nine. It does. I find it strange in the... Again, we haven't seen the playoff results yet, so we're really only basing this on what we see. Uh, but yeah, I think if you're not a one-loss team, so if you're worse than a one-loss team at this stage, then you, you can't be considered uh, outside of UCF who are absolutely cactus. Yep, so Bama, Clemson, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Michigan, Georgia, Oklahoma, Washington State, West Virginia, all that are left. Okay, and there's some big matchups coming in the next couple of weeks, of course, as we look to those kind of big matchups to finish the season uh, to see whether those teams can make their way forwards or whether they will, of course, some of them will drop off the perk. All right, let's get to some game reviews. Uh, we will start in the SEC of our four big matchups this week. We had number six, Georgia, at number nine, Kentucky. And I won't brag like Will would do if he picked this game correctly, like I did, but I'll let you talk us through this Georgia-Kentucky one, Will. Uh, your final there is 34-17 to Georgia. So you would like me to brag on your behalf? You no, would like... just just say some things about how the game played out, and you know, I'll we'll play I'll... back some tape from the last yeah. episode, and we can <laughs> yeah. kind of play by play. Yeah, no credit to you. You kind of nailed this one on the head. Uh, you said that Georgia would be too good. You'd say it'd be a bit of a defensive struggle, but there's no way that Kentucky will be able to do anything offensively, or not enough to keep pace with Georgia, and that's fairly well how it played out. I think we were lucky enough to watch the games this week together. Hey. It was six o'clock beers, settling in. Uh, had a good day of it, but unfortunately this one was a bit of a letdown and we'd flicked it over by half time. I think, when uh, Georgia had kind of taken quite a comfortable lead and weren't really being challenged. Yeah, I... I mean, they got off to a really, really good start. Their defense looked to absolutely control Benny Snell, and he got to 70 yards but had over 20 carries to do that. Uh, it was on the back of DeAndre Swift, though, this offense really got going. Jake Fromm was serviceable without being outstanding. But DeAndre Swift, I mean, we saw that runoff tackle. I think it was about a 20-ish something yard touchdown, and our stream just froze there for a fraction and went like, oh, that alley defender's missed. This is not going to be a good result for Kentucky. He stepped another guy and then uh, moved into the end zone for for a touchdown. And it just didn't look like Kentucky were ever really a chance. Even it was only 14-3. And I was, I was just thinking, I remember, I think I said to you, I was just like, they just don't look like they're going to be able to do enough to score. Uh, to their credit, though, um, Terry Wilson did do a good job to fight back late in the game to you know get him in the end zone a couple of times, but Georgia too good on both sides of the ball. Yeah, I mean, if Georgia come at you with that left straight, you know that right hook's coming. They 
have done it again in terms of a powerful duo in the background uh, in the backfield. Last year, it was Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle, who were two of the top draft uh, drafted running backs in the first and second round. This year, it's Hollyfield and Swift. And similar sort of deal. You got a bruiser and a more swifty kind of pass Swifty, back. I like that. Yeah, yeah good. Good on that. <laughs> uh, and, I mean, they have got to be two of the best running backs in the nation. Again. They, they've done an incredible job of getting talent in at that running back position. And I think it's a credit to their offensive line and the scheme that they have up there that they are really having their way with uh, some vaunted sec defenses and kentucky came in as you know a top rated defense uh there they had been ripping teams apart and hadn't had more than what was 18 points scored on them for the year and then george's o-linemen were just men amongst boys pushing them around creating holes and you know were able to grind them down to the point where georgia kind of had their way and were able to do what they wanted to do yeah and I think we'd still like to see, in terms of pushing Alabama, we'd still like to see a little bit more from Jake Fromm because if they are going to do it, they need more out of him and he's going to have to play a blinder. And, and he has been down a fraction in the last couple of weeks. But a convincing win there to Georgia. Uh, Kentucky's still got a bit to play for. They could end up in a good bowl game and we'll see how their season pans out. But Georgia's still well and truly in the mix and they'll be looking to that SEC matchup with Alabama in the SEC championship game. Yes, sir. Okay, into uh, let's actually let's stay in the SEC. Why don't we go the number one team in the country, Alabama, went down to Baton Rouge to play number three LSU, uh, and from go to woe, Alabama are really really good. They had 576 yards to LSU's 196. They had 281 yards on the ground compared to the Tigers' 12. They won 29 nothing, and while I didn't suggest that they'd shut them out i was concerned about lsu's ability to generate offense they didn't do that and the opportunities they did have um they pushed a, a kick wide and then joe burris threw an interception into the end zone was about the only two chances they had to score and alabama are just too good you're just going here because this is another one you nailed you just staying in conference mate just keep it consistent for the people that's all i'm here for bang this one on the head too mate uh it played out exactly as you said it would. The Alabama would be too good. The LSU wouldn't be able to score. They wouldn't be able to go with them because they are fairly sketchy on the offensive side of the ball. And that's exactly what happened. I thought from the get-go, it was going to be a, a good game. Alabama in the, the first drive looked like they were moving the ball nicely. And then the crowd got into it. They were pushed them back. They had them at like third and 30 something at one point and I was thinking geez we could have a game here then they got the ball couldn't do anything and Alabama started to cruise they they're playing at such a high level and so much like it's I don't know where to kind of focus in on because it's all so good at the quarterback position Tua is as good as you'll see out there he's playing a video game he's playing NCAA <laughs> He's lasering it around the place. He's putting the ball exactly where it needs to be. Anything that isn't getting caught is in a spot where you want the ball to be. It's not thrown behind. It's kind of out and in front. And, you know, it's not that the receivers are dropping it because they're pretty darn good too. Yeah. It's just that, yeah, they are that impressive. And as I said at the start, I mean, 
I can't see anyone getting close to these guys. This is the best college football team I've ever seen. Yeah, and we talked about this in the intro, in the pregame as well, in the preview, that their offense is that elite, which we're probably not used to saying for a Crimson not, Tide not team. Not at all, definitely not. You got Jerry Judy on the outside who just dominated. I was really impressed with Irv Smith when the at, at tight end for for the Tide when the game was on the line, so to speak. I, you know, you always look for the the guys who have impact when the game is still up for grabs. So the first five minutes. Yeah, exactly. But he did have that impact in the first in that area. It's it's very easy to get touches and whatever late in the game when the game's gone. But he had an impact early, went which was fantastic. And I thought Jalen Waddle was the same as well on the outside in that receiving position. I think those two guys, along with Jerry Judy, did such a fantastic job. And then and then they just give it to Damian Harris nineteen times, and he just batters his way um, around. And then even Tua got off got off the chain on a forty four yard run, and Najee Harris. Did good things as well, although he ended up a little bit banged up, but I think he'll be okay. I, I don't know where it is. I, I would like to say that maybe, I don't know, their defense, I don't know where. I don't know where on the de- Their defensive line just dominated. They were in the backfield with Joe Burrows, and that obviously that run gained 12 yards for the game. You know, that is complete domination in the trenches, and that's what it takes to win to win games. Even Nick Saban seemed pretty happy after the game. He was pretty content for... You don't see that too often. He's always talking about next week or whatever, but he looked pretty content. Yeah, it's an incredible tough spot to play, and that was why I was more cautious going into it. I thought it was going to be a good matchup. Just the environment and having to go in there is incredibly difficult, and Georgia found that. Alabama didn't blink. Didn't phase them. They've always been elite defensively, at least for the last 20 years. This year, the offense has matched it, and it's it's a scary proposition for anyone. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know what your option is. Maybe you need. I don't. I don't know. I don't know where to begin. I don't have a way to to see that any one of them could break down. Maybe a team like Oklahoma could score enough points, but they're not playing enough defense. So. I don't exactly know. I'm but, just glad we got through that without you throwing up on your keyboard here. All this Alabama love yeah, no, I know. normally it's, kind it's, of brings it out in you. It's gross. Yeah, I, I'm not a big fan. But, hey, props to a really, really good team, well coached, all that sort of stuff. Uh, let's hook across to the Big Ten. Let's head north. Number 14, Penn State. Visit the big house, which was heaving, to take on number five, Michigan. And speaking of domination, whoa, uh, Michigan win this one 42-7. The only reason they scored seven points is in the last two minutes and the game was well and truly gone, obviously. Uh, I actually thought early Penn State seemed to sort of keep Karan Higdon and the Michigan running game in check and then they just didn't. And he just went over 100 yards a game. They controlled the line of scrimmage. And they're kind of slow movers, Michigan. They're not super explosive. They can be, but they're not super explosive. They don't, uh, you know, they're not going to put up four or five touchdowns in a quarter. That's not really their deal. Um, But they will just grind you into submission. And then by half time, you're kind of forced to force things a little bit because they're up 21-3 or 21-0. Then you start to force things and that's when their defense takes over. They cause turnovers and that's how they score quickly. They just squeeze and apply pressure. They're a bit like a bloody anaconda or something and every breath you take out, they just grip a little bit tighter until you uh, make that mistake and then they'll score. 
Uh, I was super impressed by them again in all facets. They seem clean. They are efficient. They Trace McSorley couldn't get going. Michigan win this one easy. Yeah, I mean, you kind of get used to seeing upsets at the college football level. We've we've seen a few weeks of mayhem. This week wasn't the case for the heavy hitters, at least. You had Alabama just have their way. You had uh, Georgia comfortably. And then Michigan followed suit, just absolutely creamed a decent Penn State team. I mean, Clemson were playing garbage and treated it like garbage, as in the opponent, and absolutely whooped Louisville. But Michigan, up against a good team, just murdered them. And are looking like an incredibly talented team. Probably it now looks like the clear favourite in the Big Ten, although I still hold hope for Ohio State and the fact that that game needs to be played in Columbus. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't... All of a sudden, I was, I was a bit the same as you. I think Ohio State have been the better team to start the season, for sure. And they looked like this, the red-hot favourite, especially as Michigan State fell away and as Penn State fell away. But all of a sudden, Michigan looked like the better team to me. Ohio State looked iffy, uh, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. And they had their struggles with Nebraska this week. Uh, and Michigan just seemed like they are playing cleaner, better, more professional almost football. Uh, so a lot of props to, to that coaching staff at Michigan having their guys ready. And I don't see them losing from this point out. And with LSU losing, they seem to be the pick to go into the top four and settle themselves for a college football playoff berth. Uh, but yeah, well done to Michigan and, and we'll see them cruise forward and, and that big one in Columbus is shaping up to be a really good one. All right, let's go into the Big 12. Number 13, West Virginia, take on number 17, Texas in Austin. In, like you said, the best game of the week, Possibly one of the best games of the year so far. For sure. Uh, it looked a little bit awkward early. Texas got up uh, by 10. Uh, there was a West Virginia lineman ejected for what looked like not much. Next to nothing, yeah. Uh, Lil Jordan Humphrey was going off. And it looked like West Virginia were hanging around, but it looked like Texas were kind of just had the wood over them. They were just kind of going to ease away and they had, I remember they had that third and 20 which they then they didn't convert the third and long but they converted the fourth down that followed and then went and scored and then it just went blow for blow uh, but Will Greer leads them on a on the last drive of the game uh, and and throws a touchdown they then needed well they then decided and uh, didn't need to decided so they, sorry to they didn't need to but Dana Holgerson just goes well we're going for two here and you were like yeah I was iffy. Well, I mean, why would you go for two in that situation? Why not? I mean, you've got a Big 12 football program whose offense is better than defense. Your odds of scoring are probably more than not. You know, you, you look at it as a 50-50. What am I, 60-40 to score? 70-30 maybe? You take that. You back that in rather than saying, all right, we're in hostile conditions on the road and throwing it up to what is probably less than 50-50 in, in the road game, you say, right now, offensively, we've just marched the ball on you. We've been scoring all day. What's two yards, three yards? Easy. Yeah, uh, and that's sort of how it worked out. They came out in that formation. They throw the slant uh, 
to, I guess, the weak side of the formation. David Seals catches it, but there was a timeout call by Tom Herman, who had that grin on his face when he called it. He's like, oh, I've got away with one here. Genius timeout. Yeah, West Virginia come out in the same formation, but they walk that linebacker out. So I think he... I don't know the play call, but I'm assuming Will Greer had a run-pass option on that. So that if that linebacker walked out to take that slant away, because they effectively ran what looked like the same play, but he had a, a QB draw called. So they vacated, their linebackers vacated to protect the pass. And they called a draw and he would have gone up the middle, but it was um, blocked up. So he ran it off left tackle and, and walked in and scored. And they win 42 to 41 in a really, really impressive game. Yeah, after the game, he said he had four options that play. Oh, so, did he? Yeah, he obviously scanned the field pretty quickly because the run was the fourth one and put it on his back. And I love seeing that. Took it on, got it done. Where does this leave West Virginia? Where does it leave Texas? Obviously, a big win in the Big 12 and in the national uh, playoff picture as well, potentially. But do West Virginia have a legitimate chance uh, to, to go and push for one of these positions? Uh, do they have a legitimate chance of winning the Big 12? Uh, they ha definitely have a legitimate chance at winning the Big 12. I think Oklahoma are the favourites, and they're a very very good football team. But West Virginia can match it with them. And and that was shown on the weekend. I mean, Texas knocked off uh, Oklahoma. And I know you don't like playing this game. But they're definitely in the, that conversation. They're offensively an elite unit, one of the best in all of college football. Uh, defensively, they're improved. Uh, they're not at the same level overall as the you know a few of the teams that we've mentioned but what they do offensively kind of gives them a bit of an edge because it is so good and i would love to see them come up against you know a, a heavy hitter in the big 10 or the sec just to see how that one plays out and hopefully we'll get that chance later in the year because what they're doing this year has kind of been a long time coming with will greer and david seals they've had that connection for a couple of years now and this is it at its pinnacle. I saw it at Oklahoma State with uh, Whedon and Blackman when I was there. We saw it recently with Rudolph and Washington. And now these guys have got it going on. When when things fall into place like that, it's pretty to watch. And that's what they've got going on. Did you make me breakfast? Uh, I was going to get the Uber Eats and then Rhea whipped us up the uh, egg and bacon rolls. <laughs> okay. Okay. The other th humorous thing about this was I was thinking in a high scoring game, the line was set at one and a half. And in a high-scoring game, it's hard to win a game by a point in lots of respects, just the way of scoring. It does happen, of course, but it does, it's not super common. And to have a line set at one and a half, I was like, well, wouldn't you have it at maybe two and a half so you've got a bit of extra margin around I that field goal? I don't know how that's how it's played out. You're like, what's one and a half? That's a stupid line. Why would that ever be? I'm like, I don't know, dude. You'd be surprised how, how often. Sure enough, those uh, bookies in the uh, Nevada desert really know how to do their they job. They are really good at what they do. <laughs> yeah. um, Will will let us know more about that Ugh. in just a few moments. Uh, Texas pass defense really gone off the boil. They did not look good, and, and West Virginia lit them up. The other thing I do want to quickly mention, we talked about the run and shoot. David Seals' first touchdown was a switch concept. If you see those, if you go back and watch that, and you'll see um, those switch all verticals that they ran, and he scored on a busted coverage up the seam. I can hear everyone clamoring to their keyboards oh, now, yeah, YouTube. Yeah. Oh, I want to see what Aaron's talking about here. Yeah, of course. Shut up. All right, other games this week. Uh, Notre Dame gets over a dogged Northwestern 31-21. Ian Book really 
put the game on his on his back and probably had his best game. I think they took away uh, Dexter Williams in that running game, but they managed to get over the line and. I don't see Notre Dame losing from here on out. Well, I mean, we've said this a few times. Yeah, no, I they've, keep they've, thinking they're going to lose and they're not. Yeah, they've had a number of you know games they're favourite in, but you could see uh, they're on the road, tough environment. That's a cheeky, uh, sneaky good team, but they're getting it done, doing what they need to do. They're, they're in some tight tussles, so this one was tied up at seven at the half, but did enough, got away in the third quarter and then cruised on to win this one, so... They're a very good football team. Uh, it'll be interesting because, uh, as you said, I don't see them losing for the rest of the year. So, we'll, um, with that and the teams that they've played, although they're not looking as good as they did at the times that they played them, uh, they beat Michigan. Yeah, they did. They did. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if Ian Book can remain poised. I think that's really important. And he shows calmness and, and real control in that offense. And when you've got that along with good defense, they're in good shape. Anyway... Uh, moving along, Louisville get absolutely, and I don't even really have a word for whatever they did in terms of what Clemson did to them. I think we can call this a Wade Lee's whooping. <laughs> Wade Lee's whooping. He's beaten up punters, and Louisville get Wade Lee's by Clemson uh, in 77-16. to 16. Uh, Clemson had 14 people carry the ball. Three went over 100 yards. Six of the top of the six top rushes on the day the lowest average in terms of yards per carry was 14 they just dominated on the ground that ground game is really getting going for Clemson it's like they're playing a high school team oh. or it's like Australia playing the US <laughs> like yeah. they're just kind of having fun out there doing whatever they want bringing defensive linemen on to run the ball oh. at the goal line yeah like, good Trevor on Lawrence them. doesn't even have to do anything anymore they're having fun with it but geez it's it's not fair out there. Yeah. Syracuse control weight to the tune of 41 to 24. Dino Babers has got the orange going okay. Pitt beat Virginia, which uh, the ACC Coastal is an absolute dumpster fire at the moment. They take control of the Coastal Division. Now, this is the same team that lost to UNC, got whooped by UCF, and currently is like... They lost three of their first five games, and I don't know how we've got to this point, but they've managed to get it somewhat right in the Coastal. They win that one 23-13. Okay, here we go. Here's UCF's path into the playoffs. Pitt make it through, play Clemson in the ACC Championship, <laughs> beat them comfortably. At that point, you've got to go, well, UCF handed it to Pitt. Get them in. Yeah, don't see it happening. NC State destroyed FSU 47-28, to and that was never really close. I did enjoy the commentary on that one and uh, an update that we were watching. Oh, Florida State had just scored to get it back to within 16. Yeah, was like, she yeah. was super pumped because <laughs> I was on the old uh, Florida will bounce back bandwagon. I was yeah. like, oh, this is exciting. They get it back to, what, Six, 17? There's like four minutes to go. <laughs> oh, <no>. Fuck. <laughs> Georgia Tech beat North Carolina 28-38. to Boston College, ease away from Virginia Tech in Blacksburg to seal a 31-21 win. Oh, Duke beat Miami in a monsoon, 20-12. to I'm laughing now, but I can tell you that I wasn't on Saturday morning. Miami's offense is, and if there was another term we could use here in terms of like the Wade Lee's whooping, Miami's offense is completely, completely broken. It's, it goes beyond broken. They are completely 
I don't even know what the word is. They are bottoming out hard here. They've scored 13, 14, and 12 points in their last two ga- uh, last three games. They haven't scored in the second half of their last two games. This is a Duke team that gave up 54 points to Pitt last week, who may be the best team in the Coastal, but they're still not that great. Uh, it's getting really, really embarrassing for the Canes at the moment. And, yeah, I'm not going to go into any more detail on that. Normally, I would enjoy watching you writhe in pain at Miami being piss poor, but I was with you. I was on them. On the punt. Jesus. This is not what Miami football is either. Like, this... You can't have the depth and the recruiting that we've got and, and produce stuff like that. It is embarrassing, and... Some people need to have a long, hard look in the mirror and they need to get this thing right or heads need to roll. Arizona State beats Utah in the Pac-12, 38-20. Now, disappointingly, Tyler Huntley has broken his collarbone for the Utes and he appears to be done for the year. And that puts them in a big hole in the in the Pac-12 South, unfortunately. Manny Wilkins shows that he can really dominate some weeks but then sort of goes away for other weeks. Nikhil Harry is a freak. Eno Benjamin got going, and it seems the the Sun Devil offense is either really hot and then they win, or it's really cold and then they lose by seven points. So I was I was actually pretty impressed by Arizona State, and there's a massive log jam in the Pac-12 South now with USC, Utah, Arizona, and Arizona State. I'm thinking it's something to do with Arizona State. They've got some sort of curfew on the players some weeks where it's like, <laughs> Thursday, Friday, you guys can't go out. We've got to play this game. Other weeks, not so much. They, <laughs> they turn to shit, get whooped on. But some weeks, like, no, you've got to stay in. They're a, they're a legit team. they got some ballers. Yeah. Arizona and um, Khalil Tate get going to get past Colorado 42-34. They've had only a- taken 10 weeks for him to warm oh. up and get into it. <laughs> but now that he is, you probably Look don't out. want to be playing that Arizona team at the moment. Washington State gets past Cow thanks to a Gardner Minshew touchdown pass in the last minute uh, and they win 19-13. to Kind of one of those ones that you just win it and move on, uh, but certainly not pretty for the Cougs. Dude's just made for college football. <laughs> he loves the moment, and I love it. Yeah, I mean, it was in the last 32 seconds or something. Then they missed the extra point, so brilliant by them. Uh, Oregon put UCLA back in their place in the Chip Kelly Bowl, uh, 42-21. to 21. Having said that, that those scores are a little bit unfair, potentially. There was a lot of short fields for Oregon due to muff punts and turnovers and things like that, so a uh, little bit closer than the score suggests. Washington 27 beat Stanford 23. The Cardinal were down 21 at the half. Stanford outgained Washington, actually, but KJ Costello threw three picks and just couldn't finish the comeback at the end. USC find a run game. Aka Cedric Ware got going. Clay Helton's play calling is obviously helping, and they put away Oregon State 38-21. Auburn come back from 10 points down to beat Texas A&M 28-24 in the SEC. Florida gets crushed by Missouri. Now, you're a Going back, a big Florida fan. Where do you see them? They lose that one 38-17. Felipe Franks went 9 of 22. Drew Locke got going for the Tigers, and they get their first SEC win. But Florida, Felipe Franks, and Dan Mullen are reeling a little bit here. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they uh, have been disappointing the last couple of weeks. They would expect better. I think this one probably hurts a lot more. They Against Georgia, they weren't expected to do a lot. And, you know, to come out of that and then 
lay another egg is disappointing. Dan Mullen would be extremely upset with that. I thought they were heading in the right direction. Now it's kind of stalling. So they need to do something for the last few games of this season to really get them back up and heading in the right direction. All right, South Carolina end up in an SEC shootout because they happen all the time, or not. Uh, they beat Old Miss 48-44. to Go on, Jake Bentley got going for the Gamecocks and uh, had a good day. Mississippi State thrashes LA Tech 45-3. to Tennessee, fantastic ball club. Tennessee, are they scored two touchdowns in the first quarter. We think they're going really well against Charlotte. And that was it. They win 14-3, to but... An embarrassing one. No, great defensive effort. <laughs> Only given up a field goal. No vols. <laughs> oh, I can't even. I can't even. All right. Uh, in the Big 12, Iowa State were just fine against Kansas, 27-3. Oklahoma get past Texas Tech, 51-46. to But it took like a, a interception return on a two-point try by Texas Tech that got returned by Oklahoma. So they went up four points or something strange. But... Uh, eventually they get away. Oklahoma having a few troubles on the road, uh, which is a little bit worrying for them. They've they've had issues winning on the road. Um, it's a very good Big 12. A lot of good teams, a lot of tough places <sighs> to play. So I can see that. Hopefully they have some trouble this week at home. <laughs> <laughs> uh, of course, Bedlam this week. Uh, Oklahoma, however, did have, and this is something we haven't actually touched on, they had another 320-odd yards on the ground. And remember, they lost Rodney Anderson at the start of the year, and we thought, well, this is going to be a big hole for them to get out of. But You thought that. Yeah, I did think that. But Trey Sermon's been fantastic, and they haven't really missed a beat, so keep on rolling Sooners. Baylor score in the last minute to beat Oklahoma State, oh. 31-35. Jesus, how do you lead for... 40-odd minutes of a football match and then go down in the last 14 seconds. Dominate the game all day. Give up a shitty block punt for a score. Like, oh, we tried as hard as we could. Like, everyone tried their hardest for us to drop that one. Really snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. <laughs> you were so much more okay with it than what I was with the Miami game. I mean, at least you put up some offense. It was blowing a gale there. But, it was, uh, it was. So at that point, you'd think, maybe we shouldn't try and bang this 45-yarder into the <laughs> gale force win. I don't know. Uh, Matt Rule's got Baylor with a winning record. Yeah, good for that. I mean, that's impressive. Kansas State beat TCU in what is just a really exciting game, 13-14. to 14. Michael Collins is now the starter and played well for the Horned Frogs. Not that it really helped they lose. Anyway, in the Big Ten, Nebraska now... Is this a reflection on Nebraska getting better or Ohio State just not that good? Uh, Nebraska go down in that one, but where do you sit with with them and where do you sit with uh, Ohio State and their chances? Little column A, little column B here. Okay. I think, I think Nebraska are definitely improving. I think they're starting to buy into what Scott Frost has uh, brought to the table. I still... Th- don't have any faith in them. I wouldn't be backing them for the rest of the year because it is an adjustment period. He doesn't have his dudes in there yet. But good to see them trending in the right direction. And Ohio State, whilst I was really high on them earlier, are definitely concerning at the moment. Something's not quite right there. They've kind of slipped off a bit with Joey Bosa going out and not returning back. It seems like 
they might not be that buy-in. Uh, there might be, you know, a few issues inside the locker room that we don't know about. I'm not sure, but it's not what we've come accustomed to, not what I've expected. So probably a bit disappointing, but plenty of time for them to still turn it around and enough for them to get themselves ready for that Michigan game because that's what it's all coming down to now. The last thing I will bring up on that, Urban Meyer has had some issues, some health scares around migraines, headaches, brain tumours or something of the like. It's one of those like type A personalities where they sleep like two hours a day and just uh, go, go, go all the time. It's not good for the old ticker, brain, whatever. You need some rest every now and then. Yeah, and, and he said he burned himself out at Florida and that he's actually better at Ohio State than what he was at Florida, but I don't know. This is more shaping up to me like it could be his last season for the Buckeyes, just from a, a whole, you know, not just the health thing, but the club and where they've come from and the issues they had at the start of the year and all that sort of stuff. Anyway, they anyway they lose that one, thirty six. Sorry, Ohio State win that one, thirty one to thirty six or thirty six to thirty one. Probably would have made more sense if I get my order up. Wisconsin bounced back after their loss to Northwestern by beating Rutgers thirty one seventeen. Yeah. Go, Wisconsin. Uh, Purdue gets past Iowa in possibly the other best game of the week. Uh, they win that one 38-36 on a 25-yard field goal to win it. And the Boilermakers have Indiana, Minnesota, and Wisconsin to finish the season. Wisconsin without Alex Hornibrook. There's a real opportunity for them to go 8-4. and four. Now, that's got to be good enough to get them ranked by the end oh, of the season. Sure. With a couple of big ranked wins as well against Iowa, Ohio State. Yeah, I mean, I they'll definitely be pushing it this week. I wouldn't. They're collecting votes. I think I, that Eastern Michigan game that they lost to start the season is just really holding them back. Uh, Illinois moved to four and five. Lovey Smith's got to be a little happier with their win over Minnesota, who fired their defensive coordinator after giving up fifty-five points. Uh, they win that one fifty-five to thirty-one. Reggie Corbin's really good at running back. Real flippy. Real skittish kind of guy, but the fighting Alani get him going, and, and he's a good running back. Michigan State roll Maryland. Uh, if you thought Maryland were going to come good after their week, uh, they don't. Uh, Michigan State win that one 24-3. UCF come from behind to beat Temple 52-40. Houston go down to SMU 45-31. That's a disappointing loss for them. Not saying Houston aren't, uh, sorry SMU aren't a good team. But Houston were really looking to make noise in the American. Utah State destroy Hawaii 56-17. Set themselves up with a big tussle against ranked Fresno State, who also won against UNLV 48-3. And the last one, UTEP won their first game of the year against Rice. Go Miners. Go you Miners. They win that one 34-26. All right, Will. Talk to me. It's time for Have Yourself a Day. All right, let's get into it. Looking at those who've had a massive impact on the gridiron over the weekend. Going to start out at UMass, the powerhouse uh, Minutemen out there. That's not something I'd be bragging about. <laughs> the Minutemen. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> Ross Comas, quarterback, 29 of 44, 540 yards, four touchdowns. That's a huge day. That's a lot of yards. Uh, the next three uh, leading passes in the country all lost how's that happen pass for 449 yards 444 yards 420 yards and all lost okay interesting so that's uh holton aylers at ecu maybe has part to do with it <laughs> anthony russo at temple i mean they played ucf 
And James Blackman at FSU pulled it together. Obviously had a good day. Still got smacked down by NC State. Interesting. Uh... Also having a really good weekend was Darren Hall, the running back at Pitt. He had 229 yards and an average of 12.1 and three touchdowns. Uh, Reggie Corbin at Illinois, he had 13 carries for 213 yards at a ridiculous 16 and a half uh, and two touchdowns. And Jonathan Taylor did his thing at Wisconsin, 27 carries, 208 yards, just churning away. Uh, catching the ball, we had uh, Anthony Johnson at Buffalo. Had eight catches and 238 yards and three touchdowns. <laughs> and Andy Isabella is another Minuteman. Minuteman. Someone's got to catch them all, I suppose. Exactly right. Another he caught nine man. for 303 yards. <laughs> Far out. And two touchdowns. How did he only have two touchdowns? Uh, yeah, I know, right? He's running laps of the field with the ball. Ridiculous. Uh, and then Damian Willis at Troy had uh, 10 catches and 213 yards. So Gee, not, A lot of group of five teams here just doing work. Yeah, I don't discriminate here. Yeah, that's good. I like it. Just against the defense, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's it? You don't have anyone? Okay. I'll get one defensive player. Uh, this is a guy from Kansas, actually. Joe Deneen. Not that he had super outstanding stuff. I mean, he did, but he had 14 tackles. But more impressively, 11 of those are solo. That's a big day. Yeah, that's a good effort. I mean, you've seen linebackers rack up, you know, 14, 15, 16 tackles, but they might only have three solo tackles. He had 11, which is a massive amount, so well done to him. Not enough to keep his coach's job, but... Ooh. Awkward. <laughs> All right. Uh, the Aussies in action, Will. Yeah, here we go. So, much better week for our Aussie boys this week. Uh, really happy to see some improved performances. And we've now had, what, four, three, three of the dudes moving to the top ten. And four of our top five all went up the rankings. So, great result. Top five stays unchanged. Uh, is as was. Uh, James Smith, still up top. Still the cat out front. See what I did there? Cincinnati Bearcats, cat out front, yeah. I like how you've got to explain to me your jokes. That's when you know you're funny. Uh, I'm just not sure you're, you know, on the same level as me. With these I've got to take a step backwards to be on your level, dude. <laughs> so James Smith had a <laughs> great game uh, again, and he's, he's having a really, really good season this year. But he had uh, only the three punts on the day, but... 44 and a half average, along with 51. Mitch Wisnowski, who I said making his move, is well and truly getting after it now. So he had uh, four punts, but average of 51 with along with 60. So that's really good going. Aaron Sipos at Auburn has made the transition from AFL to college football, you know, seamlessly. And he's been exceptional down the stretch. He's only getting better and better. He had eight punts at an average of 48.3, with only a long of 54. So there's nothing, that's super consistent and really impressive across eight punts. Uh, Max Duffy, who's been traveling really well, had four punts, 
uh, for an average of 48 and a half with a long of 56. And Tyson Dyer, friend of the show, <laughs> uh, had eight punts and he just keeps storming on. Average of 43 and a half and a long of 56. So all of those boys are really waving the flag. Okay, I've got three more for us. Unfortunately, these three did all suffer losses on the weekend, but not due to their performance. They had big days. Uh, Wade, whoop your ass, Lees, had a big day with eight punts at an average of 45, long of 67. Um, Dom Panazzolo had five for a robust average of 49.4 for the Red Raiders. Get drafted. Get drafted. Uh and Oscar Bradburn at Virginia Tech had a long of 72 and average 45 for his big day as well. All right, moving on. Bold do we, prediction do time. Do we have to move on? Or yeah, we, just... this is where we really go backwards here. But bold prediction time, Will. Uh, I'll let you start, Will I? Okay, so it was hurricane season is over in the Sunshine State. I was predicting that times in Florida were going to get better. That, you know, the Gators would turn the corner. They did not. That Florida State would provide an upset. They did not. That the Hurricanes could play some offense and be okay. And beat a team that they haven't lost to at home in 40 years. 40 years? Yes. Yeah, that, that wasn't even bold and they couldn't do it. <laughs> I had a stinker. I was, I was off the mark. So, no dice for me. How about you, my man? Just on that quickly, I read this uh, today that... The big three schools in Florida, Florida, Florida State, and Miami, have mm, only ever lost... UCF's probably one of the big three <laughs> these days, but... No. That's just me. They've still got a lot of... They've still got some national championships to win yet. Uh, have only ever lost on the same day three times in history. Wow. So it took me predicting a bold <laughs> prediction of that, for that to come. I've, I've caught your venereal, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> you have. Uh, that means you'll be you'll be close then. You'll be around the mark soon. You'll jag one. All right. I had who let the home dogs out. I said that of these seven games, six of them will the home team will cover of the home underdogs. Oklahoma at Texas Tech did. Well done, Red Raiders. Alabama at LSU. LSU were getting 15 points. They couldn't score. Notre Dame at North Wentz. North Winston? Northwestern were getting nine and a half. They lost by 10. Well done to the people in Vegas. BC got over Virginia Tech handily, and Virginia Tech were only getting two points. Georgia at Kentucky was a bit of a blowout. Um, and the line was at nine there. Oklahoma State at Baylor. Actually, I did get. Oh, awesome. <laughs> I bet you're thrilled with that. And Michigan State at Maryland was only two points, and Maryland didn't look interested for most of the game. So uh, I got two out of my seven. That's not good. So that's not good. Uh, it, we... it is slightly better than your day on the punt, though, Will. Oh, we need to start a rule where we can't like pick each other's teams and stuff, because we're just, <laughs> we're just dicking each other here. Yeah, I know. Like a minute, man. Okay, on the punt. Let's uh, try and get through this one quickly. At the moment, this stage of the season, I'm really swinging for the fences, trying to salvage you won, something. Your one solid, easy prediction you thought you'd have, picking home home favourites. Yeah, you would think. Fell in a hole. You would think. 40 years of history might be on my side, but not that day. <laughs> so I uh, I struck out again. 
this week. Incredibly disappointed, especially after I gave the promise too. Like, sorry, Tim Tebow. <laughs> you deserve better than this. Uh, Virginia Tech, I went back to that well and the well was dry. <laughs> Boston College won that one 31-21, so missed out there. I had a multi, and I'm not even going to go into the games, but it was like underdogs, and I think they all lost, so whatever. <laughs> and then I had three favorites, so I had Auburn to beat A&M, and that was a really good game. I was watching it. It was the early slate. Uh, Auburn came back. They were down two scores with four minutes to go, managed to s- break out the win, and I was like, beauty, got that one. It's all gravy from here, surely. Uh, Oregon started really well and they, you know, handled UCLA and then it was just the Miami game and Jesus Christ, <laughs> they couldn't do it either. So Well, they did catch a touchdown, to be fair, with about 30 seconds to go <sighs> and that got called back for pass interference. So. Yeah, I was, I was up and about with you then too. I thought, yeah, game on, they've got a chance, but no, wasn't to be. So I lost another 10 units this week. <sighs> like... I don't know if anyone's following these picks. I'm really sorry. If you're putting like a thousand bucks down a unit, which, you know, some people might, I don't know. You're now $22,100 in the hole, if if that's what you've been doing. So, I'm sorry. Uh, next year, listen to the show, back the other side, and then you can come on a holiday. You can go over to the States if you're here, or you can come down if you're over there. I don't know. Okay, so hang on. You said shooter's going to shoot. You sound like you are pulling the pin this year. You're holstering the gun. Is that what's happening? I'm running out of money. That's what's happening. <laughs> I am, yeah, I'm poor now and it's it's not good. I've got a young family. I now need to like, I don't know, give a pink eye or something and sit on the street and try and get some cash from people. <laughs> Is that a thing? Like I'm not going the full blinding them like um, Slumdog Millionaire, but pink eye's not good. You know all about that. <laughs> So, all right, that brings us to the end of our week 10 review. Just while Will's on a heater at the moment, uh, please make sure you don't gamble with us, but you do uh, get on board at on Twitter and on Instagram at College Football Down Under. Uh, we need some help for Will, and let's try and get him uh, eating food again. Uh, him and his young family need it. So, appeals to to a to a honest and and giving audience out there. Anyway, uh, please again do get, hit us up on Twitter and on Instagram at College Football Down Under. Leave us those five star reviews. Uh, be in touch. I'm Aaron. That's Will, who's a lot poorer this week, and we will see you next time.